If you guys want to open your Bibles to uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, that's where we'll um, start when we get to uh, our scripture. <clears throat> so our theme this year is focusing on discipleship, just to say that in general, generally. Um, and our theme verse, as you can see, is Matthew sixteen twenty four where we read that Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, the word disciple isn't there, but the idea is um, Jesus carried his cross to his own crucifixion, his own sacrifice. Disciples carry their own crosses to their own crucifixion, their own sacrifice. Um, and the goals are twofold, right? Understand ourselves, what does it mean? I mean, it's kind of an intellectual process, just knowing the facts, but it's also implementing it, right? If I, if I know what to do and I don't do it, well, I don't really understand then. You see how that, that kind of plays. Um, and then hopefully, as we're doing that, these aren't like in order, but as we're understanding ourselves, hopefully we can teach other people and help them understand what it means to be a disciple. So it's not just looking at self Right, but it's looking outward as well. Um, so today's lesson is about um, discipleship. It's on that theme. And I think I've mentioned this in a class before or maybe just in passing, but whenever I think of discipleship, I, I think of the old, you know, classical, medieval images of guilds and apprentices where, you know, like an, a, a young boy would leave home. Like he would go live with this master who was... A master in some skill, maybe he was an iron worker, um, whatever, a carver, a carpenter, whatever he did. The apprentice would go live with this man, like, and all his assistants would would live with him to know everything about him and his work. It wasn't just you know eight hours a day. Okay, you, you sleep with mom and dad, and then you get up and you go to the master's house. No, when you were like ten or eleven, you went to the master's house, and you were there for like seven years. And then when you're 18, right, you're sort of a journeyman at that point. You're still working under the master, but you're not the apprentice anymore. Um, that's sort of the idea I get when I think of disciple and master. And Robin even mentioned this in his, in his theme lesson about the Greeks and how they really lived that out as well. I mean, they followed the master around. Wherever he decided to go, you followed him. You went with him. Um, so you're not just learning, like, the trade. In the, you're... You're you're learning what the master what time he gets up in the morning, like what's his what's his routine in the morning, how how's he get himself ready, you know what's he eating what what is he doing for his mind right how's he taking care of his health his spirit, um, how does he treat his customers right, I mean it's one thing to make something out of iron or wood but it's a whole other thing when you then sell that. And then somebody comes back and maybe they have a complaint, right? Okay, well, I'm going to learn how the master deals with this. So living with him, you pick up more than just, you know, how to hammer a hot piece of iron into a sword or whatever. Um, you take on his habits. You take on his quirks. Even phrases, right? Maybe it's some things he says all the time, and you, you pick that up. Um, that kind of knowledge, I think, is what a disciple of Christ needs to have of Christ as well. Um, not just, you know, things that he does, 
And uh, just tell me what those things are, and I'll do those same things. And this idea really came out of our Wednesday night um, Bible study when we were talking about, in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, knowing God right, and obeying God. And I want to read those three verses. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning in verse 6, Paul writes to that church, For after all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. And we talked about in that, in that setting, in that class, how it seems like Paul is making a distinction between two different groups here, um, a group that doesn't know God and a group that doesn't obey, right? So what does it mean to know them? Um, let's look over in Romans chapter 1 I think this will be in, this is the example that came to my mind when I thought of people who know God right, and yet don't obey God right? because Paul is seemingly talking about two, two groups of people in Romans chapter 1 beginning in verse 18 again this is Paul right, writing to another church he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. Verse 21 is what I thought of. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. So here in this passage, Paul is ascribing, at least to the Gentiles, right? This is who he's referring to, the Gentiles who forsook knowledge of God, that they knew him in some way. Now, even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But I want to look also at 1 John chapter 2. John writes something very different about knowing God. And it seems to be in competition to what Paul is saying here. In 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 3, John writes, By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. So John says that anyone claims to know God and doesn't obey him. Was a liar, right? So we, you know, so which is it? Paul's got these Gentiles who are completely going down the wrong path, right? As you go through for you know Romans chapter one, they're worshiping the creature and they've they've given over to every kind of perversity. But he says they knew God, right? And then John says anyone who says that who says they know God and doesn't actually keep his commandments, well then they're they're lying. They don't know God. I think there's actually a clue in the Romans 1 passage that tells us. There's a couple of 
things that tell us that the Gentiles actually knew about God and didn't know him the way John is talking about it, right? Um, look in verse 20 again. Actually, back up to verse 19. It even says in the, in the translation that I looked up in verse 19, it specifically says, because that which is known about God is evident within them. And then verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, right? So here's what's known. His attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. That's really kind of the limit of what you can gain from looking at the creation. You, right? you can't look at, at my yard and, and figure out that I like Five Guys Burgers. But you can look at my yard and figure out I'm a slob. <laughs> right? You can see that I'm messy and I don't really take care of my yard. But that's all you can learn from looking at my yard, right? Because that's my property that I'm responsible for, right? Well, creation is what God is responsible for. So when you look in creation, you can learn some things about him, right? But you can't know, like, fine details. Like, well, what does he hate and what does he love? And right? You can see his, what does it say? His eternal power and his divine nature. That's what you can see. So yes, they, I mean, I'm not going to say Paul was wrong in what he said, right? Paul told us, so we listen. Right? Paul told us they knew God. Well, what they knew were these limited characteristics. What John's talking about is the knowledge I want us to think about. Um, like knowing that I like Five Guys Burgers. Right? Um, knowing the details about Jesus. You know, what, what pleases him? What, what hurts him? Uh, what does he... What does he mourn? You know, if think about the if you think about the apprenticeship, like, you know, what is Jesus like in the morning? What's he doing when he gets up first thing? Right? I know he's not here on the earth, but if we think that way, like we're with him all day, what would his all day be like? What things would he be looking forward to? What things would he be striving for? How would he be exercising his craft? Right? What would I be learning as he's doing those things? Right? That's the kind of knowledge that I'm, I'm referring to, and I think is wrapped up in the idea of being a disciple. It's an intimate knowledge. Now, if you look back in 1 John chapter 2, if you're, if you're still there, it seems like John is sort of giving us a diagnostic. Right? In verse 3, by this we know we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments, sort of this diagnostic. Okay, if I'm keeping his commandments, then I know. I know him, right? But if you keep reading, it's it's a little more nuanced. Look in verses 5 and 6 again. First John chapter 2. Sorry if, if I didn't call that out. First John chapter 2. Let's look in verses 5 and 6 again. Whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. So there's this nuanced understanding of what keeping his commandments is. It's not just some diagnostic, like, okay, I'm in church, so I love God. Um, I sang some songs this morning with a bunch of Christians. That was great. And so that means, right, I love God. It's, or, or that I know God. It's more, if you, if you see mentioned in verse 5, love, right? Did you see that? Whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has been perfected. We're talking about something different than, right? 
some intellectual understanding of facts. The love of God is in me. That's the kind of knowledge we're talking about. It's not just some diagnostic, like, okay, I just want to know if I know him. Well, I went to church, so I know him. Right? No, it's like, I wanted to do what he's laid out in his word, and that's why I'm in church. I wanted to do what he told me pleases him. That's why I sang. Right? That kind of knowledge, right? Because it goes back to his character. What does he want? What does he like? What pleases him? How does he expect the craft right, to be carried out? It's not just a diagnostic. These are statements of character. Look in verse 6 again. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. That's not, you know, like he was a fast walker. <laughs> right? Or he had a limp. And so I've got to have a limp. Right? We know that. But this is an all-encompassing term. Like, you should live the way he lived. I mean, that's, that's like, there's no really exceptions found in that statement. Well, okay, well, how, you know, again, thinking about the, the apprenticeship picture, okay, well, what time did the master get up in the morning? I'm going to get up at the same time, or I'm going to get up a little bit earlier, right? And I'm going to have his tea ready, because I know he likes tea. Do you see how what the master does and how the master lives affects how, what the apprentice and what the disciple does? I know that, that he's going to start, he's going to put the metal in the fire at 9 o'clock, so I'm going to have that fire heated, right? At 7.30, I'm going to start the fire. I'm going to have it heated up so that at 9 o'clock, it's hot enough to do the work on the iron. Do you see how the life of the master affects the disciple living with him, right? That's what it is. Because if, if the master was there, he would have to do that. He'd have to get up a little bit earlier to prepare his tea, right? He'd have to make sure that the fire was going at 7.30 so that at 9 o'clock, it was ready, Right? So the disciple takes on those tasks, does those things, right? And that's walking in the same manner that he walked. How does my master deal with an error, right, in the, in the, the ironwork? What does he do? Is he angry and is he just throwing things and does he tear his whole house apart? Or does he show me that he's calm, right? Live and write and walk as he walked. These are, these are character kinds of things. These are not just make sure the fire's at this temperature, put it in for 15 minutes, take it out, hammer, right? Those are just kind of steps. It's not knowledge. So knowing God is keeping his commandments, but here we learn that keeping his commandments is also becoming like him. So if... if Based on this statement, right, if I could sum up, hey guys, you, you can come sit up here. Hey. If you guys uh, have your Bibles and you want to turn to First John chapter 2, that's where we're at. Um, so when we talk about knowing Jesus, is keeping his commandments. If you reverse that, what it, what it tells us is as we keep his commandments, right, we 
become like him because we're walking as he walked. And I know that seems like a really simple statement, but it's kind of fascinating because his, his commandments could have been like, well, everybody should have purple hair. He could have said that. I want everybody to have purple hair. Or he, he could have said, you know, I want, you know, everybody has to um, live in a cave. I mean, he... His commandments could have been totally capricious and just off the wall like that. He's God. He can command whatever he wants. Right? But he didn't. If you notice, his commandments are only instituting his character. So sometimes we get this idea that, oh, keeping his commandments is just like, don't step out of line. Like, okay, here's the line. As long as I'm walking this line, right, he's not going to come down on me. I have felt that way many, many times about keeping the commandments. That, well, just don't step out of line. And if I step out of line too many times, well, then I'm just going to push him over the edge, and he's going to throw some thunderbolt at me, and, you know, I'm going to have a car wreck, and that's just going to be the end of it. I'm going to be lost. But if we see keeping his commandments the way John talks about them, right? Keeping his commandments is molding us into his character. Like, as I keep his commandments, I know him better. That's really what he's, he's telling us. That then changes our motivation for keeping the commandments. It changes my motivation for keeping the commandments. Because then I become, I start thinking like, okay, I can actually know the creator of the universe better by keeping this commandment. Even though I don't understand it, like, why does he say this? Why do I have to be nice to mean people? Well, do it and find out. Why when somebody takes my coat do I have to give them my sweat, sweater also? I can't tell you why, except that that's what he said to do. So do it and find out what you learn about him. Right? That's what John is telling us here is that keeping his commandments tells us that we know him. And I think if you read into that a little more, you, the more you keep them, right? I mean, and, and in that sense, I do mean like repetition. The more repeated times that you keep the commandments, his commandments, I think the better you come to know him. That's what a disciple does, right? Again, the, the, the disciple who's working with this master, he doesn't just get up early one day and say, okay, I'm going to make sure the fire is stoked for the working on the iron. And then the next day, well, I just don't feel like it. Right? That's not going to fly. In, in these days where these masters had these apprentices, it was an honor for a master to take on this apprentice. Right? Parents wanted their kids to be given to this master so that they would have a future, right? in the town or in the region or whatever. So if, you know, this 11-year-old says, well, I'm just, I'm not going to do it. Well, the master's like, hey, there's 15 people waiting to get in here. You can go home. Right? I mean, that's, that, that was, so, so there was, there's this consistency, this persistence in obeying the master that's involved in being a disciple. I don't just say, well, you know what, that one day I was nice to my enemy 
and that's gonna have to just be good enough because I obeyed past tense and I'm never ever gonna do that again because that burned me and that's what we say I got burned well there's no limit on obeying the master and keeping the commandments right that's what a disciple does that's what a disciple is So there's knowledge of our master that comes through obedience that I'm, I'm going to suggest to you doesn't come any other way. We gain knowledge about Jesus and about God through our obedience to him that we cannot gain through some kind of intellectual means. That we can sit down and think our way into knowing him. I think that's what John is saying. Right? Our obedience to his commandments is knowledge. So, for example, um, I mentioned you know being being nice to your enemy, being being kind. Um, how about being kind to someone just because they're nearby, right? You're going throughout your day. You're not having a bad day. You're not having a good day. You're just having a day, and there's someone there, and you say, "All right, I'm going to be kind to that person." In in, in our society, that's called random acts of kindness, right? Just. And it kind of, that's what it is, right? But you know God does that every day? I mean, I think, in this, I think it was in the spring when all the trees were in bloom and, man, I could smell like all these flowers that I thought, man, even, even people who hate God are experiencing this right now. They are seeing these beautiful trees. They're smelling these scents and these flowers. And he knows they hate him. And if they had their opportunity, they would kill him again. And he's kind to them. I mean, that's one really small... I mean, you can think of... We, we could list a billion different ways, right, that God is kind to everybody all the time. Right? And Jesus even states that, right? He makes his, shun, his sun to shine on the just and the unjust. Rain to fall on the good and the evil. So, do that. Just be kind to somebody because they're nearby you. Right? For no other reason. Um, how about just give a gift to someone because you possess it? Like, I have this, and it's mine, so I can give it away. I saw someone do that uh, several months ago, and it, I will never forget it because it was just this simple thing I'd never seen before, but this... One young lady walks up to this other young lady and says, Man, I really like that scarf. Where did you get that? And she said, Oh, do you really like it? And she took it off and said, Here, you can have it. And, and the first lady was like, No, 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 no. no and and the, the second young lady, this is not a, like a, a parable. I saw, I was standing there watching this happen. And I thought, I don't do that. Even if that didn't affect the first young lady who received it, which I'm sure it did, it affected me. I saw that happen. She gave something away just because she possessed it. That was it. It was a simple thing. It wasn't a real, it was a, hand, a knitted or crocheted or whatever fluffy little scarf. She just gave it away. I mean, do that. 
she taught me something about Jesus that I had never thought about. Like, God just gives stuff away because he can. He has the power to, so he does it. We have that same power in a limited sense. My, my suggestion to you is that your perspective on this world and the things in it will change when you start doing these things. And just not these things, but I'm just saying, when you start saying, okay, I'm just going to do what Jesus did, and I see something he did, I'm just going to go do that. Because he did it. He's the master and I'm the disciple. I believe your perspective will change. I think your attitude about your own place in this world will change. We won't think of our scarf as so important anymore. Um, we won't think of our job as our, our vehicle to our own comfort anymore. Well, actually begin, and I know this sounds strange because it sounds strange to me. <laughs> we will actually begin thinking of our job as a tool to bless other people, primarily. I'm not saying I'm there yet. I still primarily think of it as a tool to pay my bills, okay? But I think if the more we do this, we'll think of our lives, right? Our jobs, our free time, right? as disposable income, so to speak, that we can use to be more like the Master because we're disciples. Not because we're great people, not because we thought it was a good idea, but because he did it first, and he said, do this and you'll know me. And we do these things and we come to know him. Let's look at one more uh, passage. It was the one we read, uh, Philippians chapter 3, and then we'll be done. Philippians chapter 3. I'm not going to read the whole passage again, but I, I wanted the whole thing read because I wanted it read in context. I thought the context was really important. You know, Paul, in the, in the first part of this, he's saying, hey, if anybody's going to come to you talking about how great they are, well, they're not going to surpass what I was. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was a Pharisee. I was blameless. I was zealous. I was persecuting the church. There's nobody from the Jewish nation who's going to come to you and put themselves higher than I was. Not going to happen. Right? Verse 7. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. Paul here says that the, the, the most valuable thing for him is knowing Christ. I, he says, I threw away my life and everything that these other people are boasting in, I threw it all away like you would throw garbage out of the house for the purpose of knowing Jesus Christ. If you go down to... Well, we'll, we'll just keep reading. Verse 9. 
and may be found in him, not having a righteousness, righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul says the whole point of what he's doing, the faith that he has, is so that he would know Jesus. That he would know Christ. That he would know the power of his resurrection. That he would, have the, that he would experience what Jesus experienced in the tomb. The power that raised Jesus in the tomb is the power that will raise him in the end. He's like, I'm going to experience that. That's another way I'm going to know Jesus. I'll experience that resurrection. All of these things are about knowing Jesus. For Paul, knowing Jesus cost him everything, quote unquote, right? As the world would see it. Oh, it cost him everything, right? Because he had a clearer view of what everything was. There were tools. I will have an impact, right, if I go do this and people see what I give up. I cannot pursue this line of thinking anymore because now I know something's different. Right? People told Paul he was crazy. Paul, your great learning has driven you mad. Right? That's how big a change he went through. So my challenge to all of us here is this. Wake up each morning as though you're living in your master's house, right? Not your house. You're away from home. You're in the master's house. Everything around you is his. You slept in his bed. And start asking yourself some things. What will I learn today? What am I going to learn today from the master? Right? What can I do better today than yesterday? Like he's taught me some things and I'm not quite, you know, doing it just right. I messed up. So what am I going to do better today than I did yesterday? Um, what commandments do I know, right, I have knowledge of, but I am struggling with all consistently, right? Think on those things. We need to think on those things. That's how a disciple improves. Right? In physical sense and spiritual sense. Right? Know what you're struggling with and be honest with yourself. What part of Jesus... And this is a, kind of a, a thought-provoking question. right? What part of Jesus don't I know because I haven't mastered this one thing I'm struggling with? Like, I cannot be nice to mean people. I can't give anything to mean people. So what am I, what am, I'm missing something. I, there's something I don't know about Jesus because of that. I wonder what that is, right? Put that out there as a motivator and say, when I overcome this, I'm going to know something about Jesus I didn't know before. You will. I'm not just giving you some kind of philosophical suggestion. I'm telling you what John says. Keep his commandments and you'll know, know God. Finally, what am I keeping back from him? What do I know I've decided in my head? He's not getting this. 
He's not going here. Everything else he can have. I'll do everything else. This is not, this is mine. That one little thing will keep you from being a disciple. Because you're putting yourself above him. Even if it's one thing. It doesn't matter if you serve him in a million things. If there's one thing that you don't, then you're still the master. And there's not room for two masters in heaven. Right? So ask yourself that, right? Live with your master and know him by walking in the same manner as he walked. I do want to add one caveat to this, this lesson. I'm done with this lesson. I hope that was helpful. But it's directed at people who are disciples. Right? And we're talking about how to be a better disciple. Um, I want to turn over to Matthew chapter 7 real quick. And look at something Jesus said at the end of that chapter. He didn't, he didn't say, depart from me because you don't know me. If you look in verse 21, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That means not everyone who calls me Lord or Master will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, or Master, Master, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. We have to enter into a relationship with Jesus in order to be a disciple that he knows. You can't just wander around the house and think that by rubbing shoulders with disciples that we're somehow a disciple, right? An apprentice wouldn't walk around the house of an iron worker and say, oh, I'm an apprentice of the iron worker just because I walk in his yard. Jesus says, he's got to know you. And you've got to know him. So my question to you is, if he does know you through your obedience to the gospel your repentance, your baptism, your confession of who he is. Okay, he knows you. Have you continued in that? Have you continued striving to know him? Right? So I want you to think about those things. As I said, I hope those things were helpful. But if there's something you need today that you know you're lacking in this knowledge of Jesus and you want to resolve that, this is the best time to tell someone that because everyone here wants to know him. That's why we're here. We're here because we want to know him. So we're going to sing a song. And as we're singing that song, if you want to reach out or after that song, if you want to reach out and say, you know what, I need to know something better or I want him to know me, just let one of us know and we can open the Bible and show you how he says that can be accomplished. Let's stand as we sing. <clears throat>